Hey everybody, you are listening to Grace Bond Ministries. Grace Bond Ministries is about sharing the Word of God, having conversations about difficult topics, talking about apologetics, coming together, tackling issues, answering questions, studying the scripture, uh, doing devotionals. Listen, Grace Bond Ministries has so many different things that we're going to talk about, that we have talked about, we're going to continue talking about. Uh, and this podcast is made for someone who wants to know more about the Christian faith or wants answers to their questions or just wants to ask questions or just wants a safe place to talk about things, even things like politics, you know, abortion, uh, homosexuality, hell, you know, or just how do I have strong faith? That's what you're going to get when you listen to Grace Bond Ministries. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you are blessed and encouraged by what we do here. And so we need to press on towards the goal, look forward, learn from the past, and move on and run the race he has set before us. Because whether we like it or not at the moment, it's going to be something we can use he knows what's best for us. So he knows the race we need to go. He knows what situations we need to go. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8. Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for coming and for helping celebrate our graduates. I know they worked hard, been there been through all that and it's, it's a tough road and it's one of those races you have to go through in life. So today my sermon is entitled Run the Race and it's from Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. If you want to go ahead and turn there. So what we know about Hebrews is the author, we don't know who wrote it because it sounds a lot like Paul and then there's a lot of things that's different than Paul so we don't exactly know who wrote Hebrews but if you've ever studied through Hebrews you know how much is in there and how many good things are in there. So when Joshua picked me to preach this grad Sunday, this verse kind of popped in my head automatically. And it's one that I've done children's camps about, so I know hand motions to this verse. I won't embarrass myself and do that in front of you. If you would like to see it elsewhere, I can do that. Bring it up during a kid's camp or something like that. But run the race. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Read with me here. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You go with me in prayer before we dive in. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for another day to come together as a church body and to be able to worship you in the freedom that we have and to be able to give back our praise because that's all we have before you. And as we study through this passage, Lord, bring things to our minds that we need to ask for forgiveness for to confess. And just give us an encouragement and knowledge about you. Let us go out changed and be different from when we came in. And thank you for this message. 
Please hide me behind your cross. Give me the words to speak so that they hear you and not me up here. So we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And so they're speaking to the Jews in this passage. And so if you look back and look in this context, it's Jews that were probably just saved and they're under persecution like many of the people were during this church time period. And so these readers had just gotten saved. They might have not taken the next step. So for us, for today, normally the next step after getting saved is baptism. And so a lot of times there, you got saved and immediately that same day you got baptized. But it's like, what do you do next? And we get to live on the other side where we have the whole word of God. We can come, we can come to church, we can study. And for these people, it's something different. They had to wait for these letters to be sent by Paul with the words of God on them to be read before them. But beginning this passage, it says, therefore, and what I learned in school, was one of the things I want you to take away is when there's a therefore, you refer back to the chapter before. you got to figure out what it's there for. And so it refers back to this previous chapter. And if you know anything about Hebrews 11, it's basically like the Hall of Faith. You have the Hall of Fame for athletes. This is basically the Hall of Faith. It's a straight chapter going from Genesis all the way up until this point of people that have served God well, that have had the faith. And so for us, it's great to be able to look back and see all of these examples. Some of the witnesses they have here are Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, who died without receiving these promises, but having seen them and welcomed them from a distance. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, who got to the edge of the promised land. He could see it, but he couldn't go into it. Rahab, who helped save the spies. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, prophets, and so on. All of these could not be made perfect without God. So they had that faith when they didn't know fully what their faith was in. They knew the faith of the promise. They knew the Messiah was going to come. But all of these people weren't going to see the Messiah on this side of the world. They had to look forward. We have the advantage that hindsight is always 20-20. So we can look back and we can see Christ. And then it says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses. A cloud of witnesses, all these people that have gone before us. And so for these graduates who have grown up in this church... Some of you have grown up in this church. There's been people that have gone before you that have been mentors, have been examples to you now. There's there's older people in the church, your parents, that can be examples of the faith for you now. These are the cloud of witnesses. It's not talking about eyewitnesses. They're not necessarily looking down. It's just talking about examples. That's why it's great to read the Old Testament, great to read the New Testament. And then there's all these people who throughout church history have been martyred have been killed for the sake of the gospel this Bible that we have today is here because people took it put it together and fought for it and so with these examples we need to take them as such we can look at them and we can say hey that was a cool story and just go on about our day we can really study what was it that made them different from the rest of the people we can take their counsel. 
It's Proverbs 11, 14. It says, wise is the abundance of counsel. And so, I want to teach you three things you'll need in the race of life. How to run this race. The first one, we've kind of been talking about it already. Number one is the support system. If you know of anybody who's gone to success, they've always had a support system. And for all of these people that are mentioned in the last chapter, there's always some support system. There's somebody that taught them who God was so that they could have faith in Him. And then from there, God was enough. God taught them how to have faith in Him. And then number two, this one's probably my longest point, is daily preparation. So when you're running a marathon, you have to prepare. Because if you don't, it's going to be a tough time. But we're going to get to that later on, getting to this example. This author, like Paul, does mention athletes. During that time period, sports was high. They had the Roman Colosseum. They were all in the sports. And so they had these examples that we'll get into. And it's amazing how I was looking up facts about a marathon and describing this passage and just the Christian walk and how close they line up together. Even referring to the sports back then and the sports today. So the second part of verse 1 says, The great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. So let us also, along with having the faith, along with looking at our great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every encumbrance. Lay aside, we want to throw it off so we can run a better race. But encumbrance means a weight, something that slows us down. And it's not necessarily something evil. Because if you look at this passage, they separate encumbrance and sin. Encumbrance is just a weight. You can, you can carry it if you want to, or probably be smart just to throw it off. And then you have the sin that will get into that entangles you. So thinking of encumbrances in my life, think back to when I was younger. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a diehard Bulldogs fan. And when I was younger, I would get so involved into the game that if they lost, I felt like I lost and my day would be ruined. I would let my whole attitude, my whole day be ruined is if Georgia lost that day. And if you know, during that time period of Georgia, I had a lot of bad days. <laughs> but I'm like, this is that encumbrance. Like, I got so focused on something that really had no, it really didn't matter. I wasn't playing for them. I wasn't going to go to college there. I thought I was at that point. But I wasn't going to go to college there. It really had nothing to do with what I needed to be doing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I still watch them, but it doesn't affect how my life is. Another major one for me is my phone. Technology is a great thing if it's used in the proper way. And I don't know, with iPhones you have this screen time app that comes out and pretty much every week it shows you your average screen time, how much you've been on your phone. And every time it pops up, I'm convicted. Because it shows just how long I've been on my phone. And it can show you down to the app how long you've been scrolling on Facebook, how many videos you watched this night because you got caught up in one video after another. But it's something 
that I don't focus on what's right in front of us. We get distracted when you're running a race or when you're driving a car and you try to look at someone on the side of the road, a distraction. You go off to the side. My one wreck I had, that's why it happened. So I looked off to the side. Things can distract us from what we are supposed to do. Another one's TV, great shows. But what does it have to do with running a race for Christ? Pastor Stephen Lawson said, we need outside pleasures oftentimes to help us stress and to regroup. But they are to be our servants, not our masters. And so we need to use these things. That's how you come together for a lot of people. It's game day. A lot of people come together, have tailgates, have food, and fellowship with one another. And that can be growth in your walk with Christ as you go with people that you can learn from, as you go with those mentors. But it can't be our masters. We can't miss things that are more important because that particular thing is happening. And I think back to my professor in college. We were talking about working out, and he was one that got me into working out a little bit. But he said, I want to be fit for the kingdom of God, so that whatever God calls me to do, I'll be able to do it. So when I think of running this race, I always think back to that moment. He said, are you going to be fit enough to run the race? And being in youth ministry, I figured out pretty quickly that I need to be able to keep up with you. So, another thing in a race, you can't look behind you. Because if you look behind, somebody is going to pass you, you're going to slow down. And it's the same way for us in the Christian walk. If we continue to look at the past, we're not going to be able to move on in the present. And what ifs can be endless. I, I do this oftentimes. I make a decision and then I'm like, all right, what if that was the wrong decision? What if I was supposed to do this? What if I was supposed to talk to this person and not this person today? What if this? What if that? The list could go on and on. But no matter what happened, we bring it before the Lord. We either confess it if it was wrong, or we trust that He is sovereign. And we did it for Him. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so we look back at our past, we learn from it. We look back at these witnesses, we learn maybe from their mistakes and from their accomplishments and move on. Because we can't look to these mentors and try to mirror our lives to theirs. But nobody's race is the same. God puts us in different avenues, different paths. And that's the race we are to run. Sometimes we're like, I don't want this race. I'm going to go try to run another one. And you end up going in a circle, going back to the same spot you were. Because either way, God is sovereign. He's going to get his will done for us. So we need to press on towards the goal, look forward, learn from the past, and move on and run the race he has set before us. Because whether we like it or not at the moment, it's going to be something we can use. And he knows what's best for us. So he knows the race we're going to He knows what situations we need to go through. And so the weight these 
Jews are probably bringing forward is their weight of their legalistic past. If you look at the Pharisees in the New Testament, they're straight to the fact. But there was no heart behind it. They were just doing it because it was the rule. It made them look good. And they had to do it on this day. And Jesus, part of the reason they were mad at him is he, because he defied those rules. It was the Sabbath day. He was healing people. They weren't supposed to work at all. And it's the same thing with these Jews. They were coming from this lifestyle. And God's like, you have freedom in Christ. You don't have to be chained by these rules. Not that those are bad things, but you can't be chained by those rules. You must move on. You must see what God wants you to do. And then a video I'm going to show towards the end that kind of sums a lot of this up. It kind of inspired it when I saw it a while ago. We don't need to be asking the question, is it a sin? Because oftentimes, especially as kids, we hear our parents say, all right, don't do this. And so you're going to do every single thing you can. You're going to get to the edge. And you're just going to step. It's like, I'm not over the line. It's not a sin. I'm going to be okay. And we want to get to the very edge. That's the same thing we can do with our Christian walk. When we see things and when we're doing things, we start to feel conviction. We're like, well, it's not a sin. So I'm okay. It's not going to affect me. But the thing is, does it help me run? That's the question we need to be asking. Not, is it a sin, but does it help me run? And so it says, the encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. So at this point in our lives, we can probably tell that person, that mentor, what sin we exactly struggle with. Oftentimes, it's one or two particular sins, and they show up in different forms. And that's what we struggle with. It's the sin that so easily entangles us. And if something clings to you, it's not going to be easy to take off. That's why we need the Lord. That's why when the crucifixion happened, it was so violent. Because sin requires the blood sacrifice. But it also clings to us. It's not something that's going to be easy. Stephen Lawson said, the sin of not trusting in God is the sin that so easily entangles us. Because every sin that we have can be boiled down to probably two things. Not trusting God and pride. Because we think we know better than Him. If you boil it down to our sins, we, even when we're mad at someone, we may not think God will do them justice if He repays them. It's not the way we wanted it to happen, so we're going to take it into our own hands. And then, even when we talk down about ourselves, God tells us something different. But we say, I know better. I know what it's about me. And even in that pride scenario, we're still not trusting in God. When we worry about something, we're worried God's not going to do enough. God's not going to come through. That's one. Worrying is probably one of the ones that entangles me. But it's a constant daily preparation. So the only way we can lie, we can lay aside the sins and encumbrances that help us run is by clinging to the Lord. Ephesians 6, which we're going to be studying through our BBS this summer, June 4th through the 
8, refers to the armor of God, letting us know it is a fight and a daily one. I just talked, just did a podcast with one of my friends and talked about just the sin that always comes at us on a daily basis. You're never on a break. You're never on the bench. If you've watched people run marathons before, you know somebody that does. You're not going to take a break. It's a slow and steady pace. And just like that, so is the Christian life. We can't wake up one day and say, I'm going to take a break being a Christian today. Because that's when the devil especially will come at you. When you're least prepared, that's when he's going to come and the only two offensive weapons mentioned in that passage is one, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's why daily Bible reading is one of the most important things we can do. And the other one that you kind of see it and it's mentioned afterwards, if you don't look carefully, you can look over it, is prayer. So the only two offensive weapons we have is the word of God and prayer. Prayer is a mighty thing. I was talking with the kids last week. Faith decided to muster to move mountains. So just that little bit of faith, just that of prayer to move mountains can prepare us every day so that we put on this armor of God so when the devil attacks, we will be able to flee through Christ. So this race is hard, but it's worth it. Philippians 3 eight says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And there's going to be days where we're like, I can't do it anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. That's a lot of days. But we can't do it anymore. We come to that point where we feel like we're going to break. And that's when David in his Psalms reminds us God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in time of trouble. We know who to run to. So before we can put on the man of Christ that he died for us, we must put away and lay aside the old man. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So in any project in life, a full transformation, one that's going to take a while and it's not going to be easy. If you transform a car, there's many parts that you have to put in things, a new paint job, all of those things. If you're transforming a piece of art, it goes from this paper to a masterpiece. But we never really see how much work goes into the in-betweens. And then it tells us, run this race with endurance. The race that is set before us. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the writing is given an analogy here, what it shows like life is a marathon. But we live in a society and a culture and oftentimes in a mindset where we need everything now. We want it as quick as we can get it. But that's not reality. It works for a lot of things. Technology is coming to that point. For one, that may not be always the best thing. But life is a marathon. In a marathon, you don't go out into a full sprint. It should be a slow, steady pace. And then in the race, there are different mile markers, so you know there's different parts of the race. When you see that 25 mile marker, you know the race is soon about to be over. You've got about a mile left, and you can run. 
I looked up half of this stuff. I don't run marathons. Don't worry. <laughs> so I looked up smarter people that do. Or crazy people wanted to. It's 26.2 miles as a marathon. So when they see that 25-mile marker, they know it's that last leg of the race. They can pick up the pace. And so all of these graduates that we have up here are going into a different part of their race. Whether it's going into the first grade, or whether it's going into college, or whether it's going into the workforce, into a different part of college, further into education. It's a different path that will bring different people, different temptations before us. And just like in a marathon, it's uncomfortable at times. It's good for you, and you can push through. So we can't go and do a marathon and just say, all right, that's cool. I've run far enough. I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to quit here. I'm sure that happens in a lot of marathon races, trying to run that long. We want to quit. We want to go take a nap and then come back to the race. But we can't do that in the Christian life. A.W. Pink says, The Christian is not called to lie down on flowery beds of ease, but to run a race. And athletics are strenuous, demanding self-sacrifice, hard training, and putting forth of every ounce of energy you possess. So you transfer that over to the Christian life. Everything that we do, every ounce of our energy, should be used for pursuing Christ, for serving Him. Paul talks about working and serving to the point of exhaustion. And then we look at what Paul went through. We're like, I don't know if I could ever do that. But we serve the same God that he did. He has faith in God just like we have faith in God. And oftentimes, there's factors of this race that we can control. When we're running it, you have the encumbrances that we can often control. You have the sin, but then there's some circumstances that we can control. So thinking about an actual marathon, first thing you can do, preparation. Stretching and prep work can be our equivalent of studying the Word of God. Every morning, we start to do the stretching and the prep work by studying the Word of God. And these were three things I was looking up. What hinders a marathon runner? What makes it hurt maybe earlier in the race, later in the race? But another thing is wearing the proper clothes. You're probably not going to run a marathon in sweatpants and a hoodie or with a backpack. So with shorts and a t-shirt, maybe some athletic headband. But our equivalent of that is putting on the full arm of God. So through studying the Word, we're stretching, we're preparing, and we're putting on the proper clothes to go throughout our day. And then the last thing Something that we can control that oftentimes I'm bad at and what makes marathon runners hurt is pushing too hard. If you try to push too hard, you're going to get gassed. You're going to fall back. And so this is a balance of work and rest. Joshua always talk, talks about blessed are the balance. We have to figure out what's the balance of work and rest, working for the Lord, because even when we do that, we get to the point of exhaustion or get to the point where we're doing it because we have to and we're walking through like zombies. And there's really no part of it. So we have to figure out the balance of work and rest. And so it goes 
back to the beginning where it's easier to run in a group. I think a marathon would be something I would probably never do unless somebody else convinced me to do it because I'm that type of person. But God didn't want us to run alone. This is why we have the church congregation. This is why we gather together to fellowship with one another, to grow and to walk through this life, to run this marathon together. So that when one person gets tired, we can either step up and help push them to the edge or encourage them in that fact. And just like in a marathon, our bodies can only complete this race well if we fix our eyes on Christ and in the marathon, fixing your eyes on that finish line is often. So we can't fall into the trap of complacency let the church lay out to see it. If you go back in Revelation, this was probably the church that catches your eye the most. Because the Lord says, you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one. I wish you were really on fire for me or did it won't have anything to do with you. Because you're lukewarm. He says, I'm vomiting you out of my mouth. That's what he felt about complacency. So let us not fall into that passage. So you may have not thought we'd ever get a verse two, but here we are. And third and final point, the finish line in sight. So we have three things that can help us in this race. The support system, the daily preparation, and now the finish line in sight. All of these witnesses can give us power, but their power comes from one whose our power has to come from also. Because verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. And so I was looking it up, and they said marathons are often hard because it's really not, the body isn't designed to store up that much energy to run that long. And our bodies aren't either. It's only through Christ that we can run it and run it well. The people that run the marathons in record times only do it because they have that power of preparation, the power of God to allow the bodies to complete that distance. And Christ is the only, the ultimate one to look up to, the only one we can look up to that will never fail. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. So if it wasn't for Christ, if it wasn't for the re resurrection, our faith would be in vain. We wouldn't have that hope. And so the word for looking here and fixing our eyes on Jesus is aphoreo, is the Greek word for it. It occurs only here. It means looking away from all else, looking at that which fills the heart. And when you look at that, you kind of think back to the passage with Peter, where he's walking on the water, Christ is coming, walking on water. Peter sees him, says, Is that you, Lord? He says, Yes, he immediately starts walking on the water. But everything starts going crazy at that point. The storms are coming, there's probably lightning flying everywhere, there's rumbling. Instead of fixing his eyes on Christ, he gets distracted by the things that are away. And as soon as that happens, that's when Peter begins to sing. It's the same way in our lives. When we don't have our eyes fixed on Christ, that's when we start sinking. When we get all these things that are stressed, when we have 42 million things we try to pack into one day, that moment when we fix our eyes away from Him, 
is when we start to drown. And I'm definitely guilty of that more than any other. Packing our eyes, packing our day full, and not fixing our eyes on Christ. So he's the reason we can have faith in the first place. He displays it perfectly through the coming of the Son. And the word author means leader. So he's the perfecter. He's the leader of the faith. He showed it perfectly. The chapter before is where we see the definition of faith, the assurance of things hoped for, and the confidence of the conviction of things not yet seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. The, the part of this passage that really sticks out to me is when it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What was this joy that a man would come? die the worst death, be pretty much torn apart. What was that joy for? I'm here to tell you today, it's for each and every one of us. That's the power of the gospel is he came knowing full and well what he would endure. The cross, the pain, the suffering. He had to look at his 12 men who were there with him every single point of the day, pretty much for three straight years, they would desert him, except for John. He had to look at all of his family growing up who wouldn't believe him for who he was. He had to look at people as they nailed him to the cross, as they whipped him, as they spit on him, and said nothing. I think that speaks volumes. To us. That was the joy. That's how important we are to Christ. That he would come, he would die, and he would suffer that crucifixion because of us. That was the joy that was set before him. Tim Keller, he's an apologist, a theologian, and he just passed away this week from a battle with cancer. But he says, the gospel is that I am so simple that Jesus had to die for me. He has so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. I can't feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. So because of the gospel, that's why we can endure. That's why we can run the race. But that's why we're not better than anyone. Part of that legalistic Jewish past is what they're talking about, probably here. Referring back to the Pharisees, they thought they were cool, high and mighty, because they gave all this money, they prayed in front of people, but they were superior to no one. None of us are superior to anyone. Oftentimes we look at pastors and we think they're on some superior pedestal. They're not. We're not. God just put this calling on our life, put this race in front of us, and told us to run Oftentimes, we probably, we try to flee from it, we don't want to run it, but that's the race God set before us. And the word endure is used once again here. I'm sure it felt like years up until that point of the cross, that time period from the Last Supper of the Garden of Gethsemane to the point of the cross probably felt like ages. And he could have left at any point, but he chose to endure he took the shame upon himself. He didn't fight back. He sat there as the silent, spotless lamb. 
and he showed us an example that during that adversity, we had to pray to God. Any adversity we have, we pray to the Father. Because he knows what to give us. He knows the best thing for us. And he would soon say, it is finished, and be at the right hand of the Father. So not only was he enduring the cross for our salvation, but coming back to the right hand of the Father. That's what we have to look forward to. And when we run our race, when we reach that finish line, we can be in the presence of the Lord. You know, finish line is one day to be with Him. So when we're running at Christian Walk, when we have that finish line in sight, that finish line is to be in front of Christ. That man who died for us, we get to see Him face to face and forever praise Him. A.W. Pink, an old theologian pastor, so the track itself is set before us, marked out in the word. The rules to be observed, the path which is to be traversed, the difficulties to be overcome, the dangers to be avoided, the source and secret of the needed strength are plainly revealed in the scriptures. If we lose, the blame is entirely ours. Everything is before us. If we succeed, the glory belongs to God alone. So that's why we can look out and why God can condemn people is he said everything before them. All they have to do is accept it. And yet many don't. So that blame is entirely on us. The last quote I want to say before we go into just the application, the invitation part of this message. The assurance of the future prospect is intended to lead to endurance in the present. So looking to heaven should help us to endure now. Many seasons, many mile markers, if you're looking at a marathon, it only lasts for a little while. So a different mile probably comes with different pains, different things you have to endure. But it's only for a little while. And that's what we have to look forward to. So I want to show this video before I share what we are to apply to our lives. Chapter 12, verse 1, near the end of the verse. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There are a couple of things said here as a means to running. It says, lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. Not just sins. Don't just lay aside sins to run this race. Lay aside every other weight that gets in your way. What this says is, don't just ask, what's wrong with it? Don't just ask, is it a sin? That's about the lowest question you can ask in life. So what, well, preacher, what question should I ask if it's not, is it a sin? And the answer is, does it help me run? Does it get in my way when I'm trying to become more patient? more kind, more gentle, more loving, more holy, more pure, more self-controlled? Does it get in my way or does it help me?
look to Jesus and lay aside sins for sure and lots of other stuff. And the little voice is going to say, this looks like a lot of loss and not much gain. At that point, open your Bible to Hebrews 12, 2, and look at how Jesus in Gethsemane said, tomorrow morning is going to be a lot of loss. This is going to be mega loss at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. In fact, it's going to happen all night long. I will never sleep again before I die. And it's going to hurt like hell. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So the answer is, yes, it's going to be loss. But I promise you, on the authority of God's word, the Christian life is gain. Say to the flesh and say to Satan, the sufferings of this life are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be <coughs> And so... I will lay aside every weight and I will lay aside every sin and I will run near Jesus. I thought he could say it a lot better than I heard this from John Piper summing up this passage. An encumbrance, a weight that we're going to be carrying for a while that we don't need to anymore. What can we do so that we can hear live? Well done, my good and faithful servant. When we cross that finish line. What can we do so we can say like Paul, I fought a good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. The altar will be open. I'll be in front. Do anything you want to pray about. Do you want to confess? You can do it right there. You can lay it aside wherever you're at so that you don't have to walk with it anymore. You can walk out that door without that weight. Lift it off your shoulders. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for all your many blessings. Thank you for allowing us to come here to worship you and to see how we can run that race for you. You have set each of us a different race. None of us can run each other's race for them. It's all laid before us. Thank you for Christ who endured the cross, despised the shame with the joy that was before him so that we can run our race, so we can have that faith to run it at all. So help us to endure whatever circumstances, whatever challenges we may be facing today, Lord. Help us to fix our eyes on you, to trust in you with all of our heart. All of our minds and all of our strength. Help these graduates as they go into this new phase of life. Help them to continue to look to you, whatever they do. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching the Grace Bond Ministries podcast or listening to the podcast. Uh, I know there's various ways that you could be listening to this right now or watching this right now, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much. And if you would, 
uh, wherever you're listening. If you're listening on YouTube, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, podcast, please you know, leave a five-star review and uh, write a little thing in there. If you're on Facebook, you know, leave a comment. Uh, let me know how this impacted you or uh, even any other questions or comments or concerns you may have. Um, and also, if you have an idea or you have something you'd really want to talk more uh, deeply about, you can always email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. But thank you so much. Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Thank you for listening to Grace Bond Ministries.